This is Adeptus Podcasters, a podcast devoted to Warmer 40,000 Conquest, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Hosted by Matt, Nate, and Charles. You can reach us on our Facebook page or by emailing us at adeptuspodcasters at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode 13 of Adeptus Podcastus. Uh, this week, I'm joined by my co-host, Nate, from the wonderful United Kingdom. Nate, how are you? I'm not too bad. Not awesome. too bad. Good to hear. How's the weather? Because we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the weather at the beginning of the podcast. It's surprisingly warm. Oh, really? Weirdly. Yeah. Not here. So. Cold <laughs> and still raining. We've got a what they call a nor'easter coming through. Thankfully, it's not snow; it's just rain. But yeah, I've had my fire going all week, so my house is nice and toasty. <laughs> and Charles, unfortunately, is not able to join us this week. He's having some trouble with his switch to his new internet provider, uh, and they lost his uh, his service call altogether. So he's got to wait till Wednesday now. Uh, he unfortunately did not take my suggestion of pretending he was drunk and just wandering into his neighbor's house and saying, hey, I need to use your internet, and pretending he got lost. He thought that might be a bad idea, apparently. So, in the meantime, we've got ourselves an extra special guest. We're joined by none other than Brad Andres. Brad, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm doing well. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you taking some time of your weekend. No problem. Glad to be All here. Right. Awesome. So... I know we sent you a list of questions, uh, which you kind of want to see ahead of time. So the first one I wanted to ask, of course, is, you know, maybe just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into the gaming industry and, you know, maybe how you joined Fantasy Flight Games. Well, uh, I'm 25 years old. I live in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, obviously, because that's where Fantasy Flight is. Um, and I've actually lived in Minnesota my whole life, uh, born and raised here. And probably got into hobby games around the age of like 10 or 12, um, playing card games. Uh, and, you know, just local stores, um, just, you know, with friends, made a lot of good friends doing that. Uh, but then, you know, took that through, was in a board gaming club in college, um, rode, yeah, ran some card game events through that. Uh, and then actually I got hired by Fantasy Flight to work in their event center, now the game center, uh, the day after I graduated from college. Uh, and worked there for like a year and a half, uh, just selling games out of the retail into the store and a position opened up in the LCG department and I applied and I had done some play testing for like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, LCG, and uh, they they wanted to have me on the team. Awesome. So did you start, like, right into Warmer 40,000, or did you work on other games prior to Conquest? So I had worked on Warhammer Invasion before that was ended, and I also still do work on Call of Cthulhu. Okay, cool. But right when I started up, uh, a month or two after I started with the company, we started working on 40K, Nate, uh, Eric Lang, and myself. So Conquest has been in development for a while now then? 
Yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been a long project, but uh, I think the quality shows in the final product, and I'm really happy that it's finally out in, on store shelves. Yeah, it's definitely got that real um, polished feel about it. It's um, not that most of your games aren't highly polished, but you can tell as the, as the company's progressed and aged through through the years that the 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 game quality that's coming out is better and better each year. So you've got you've set your own sort of standard to uh, get each game out now. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I I definitely agree with Nate. Like my one of my favorite things about Conquest was it was the first time I ever saw the the rules reference guide. And I was just like, that's amazing. Because I answer so many questions that in other LCGs you've had to kind of wait for the FAQ and stuff. So, I mean, I love that book. Yeah, no, it was it was a really good move, and we had a lot of fun uh, working on it and getting that thing polished and ready. Really, just so players could answer a lot of their own questions instead of having to wait for us. That's just a guide to figuring out how the whole game works and just really getting players, you know, going yeah, definitely. So, um, in regards to 40k Conquest, like I know you guys have had the license with Games Workshop for a few years now because you've got various role-playing games and a couple board games and stuff. But what brought about the creation of Conquest as a living card game? So that's all all firmly in Eric Lang's hands. He had wanted to do a 40k game for a long time, uh, LCG, and with the sixth edition rules coming out. He was looking at the big alliance chart in the book, and when he saw that, he came up with the idea for the alliance wheel that you see on the back of the uh, Learn to Play guide now. And it, the whole game was born from that idea. Awesome. Yeah, I follow Eric Lang on Twitter, and sometimes he posts very interesting little tidbits about future games and stuff, and he like come sometimes will say, you know, what sparked an idea for a game? It seems like it's just, you know the oddest random little circumstance will make him create a new game. I'm just like, man, I wish my brain could work like that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, he's uh, amazing. He's been a great mentor to me, um, learning the whole industry. So I give a lot of thanks to him. He's been amazing. Very cool. So with regards to Warmer 40,000 itself, did you have any experience with the setting and stuff like that before starting work on Conquest? So, you know, I had always kind of looked enviously over at the minis table while I was playing card games growing up and being <laughs> like, wow, that sure, that sure is cool. And it wasn't until about college I had a buddy, Simon, who was really into the books, the Black Library novels. Um, and he was the one that really got me interested in the setting. So, so did you actually play the miniature game at all? Or did you just kind of start reading the fiction and stuff, borrowing books from him? I I, I tried the game a couple okay. times um, in some of the older editions. I haven't played the newest one, um, but I've played a couple of games of the previous stuff. Uh, but I've you know I've read every codex eight nine times now. I'm on Lexiconum all the time, you know, just reading bits. So. I'm 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 fully entrenched in the whole lore now. <laughs> okay, That's, I kind of figured as much. Again, you can kind of see it in some of the curves and stuff like that. So I was just kind of wondering how in depth your knowledge was prior to it. So it seems like you at least had a passing familiarity with it. You know, and and I liked the setting. Right. You know, I'd played some of our board games that are I take place in it, and I'd played the role playing game uh, with with a bunch of buddies a lot, especially Black Crusade. 
So I, I would say, yeah, I was I was pretty familiar with the setting when we started. Okay. So with regards to Conquest itself, and this might be one of those questions you can give me no comment, was there anything during development that maybe got scrapped, like, you know, put on the cutting room floor, so to speak, during development? I mean, some things got put on the cutting room floor, but, you know, I can't say too much about that. But, you know, suffice to say, the final product that we have is far and above the best of what we had we had play tested with. Right. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so another question that I know you're probably gonna say no comment to. Is there anything at all you can tell us about the Tyranids and or the Necrons? We know they're coming, but you know, that's all we really know. They are coming. They're super cool. I wish I could tell you all about how amazing they are, but I just can't. You're just gonna have to pay attention to the website when we are going to release information that'll be the first source that you'll see and i'm really excited for when you guys do get to see okay fair enough had to try <laughs> i know i know i'd be doing our fans a disservice otherwise all right so within conquest itself like the mm-hmm. rules and the game and everything is there anything about it that you are a particularly huge fan of and is there a faction or factions or maybe a warlord that's more your style, I guess you could say. So I would say what I'm particularly in love with about the game is uh, the command struggle and committing your warlords to planets. That's just the the whole bluffing aspect of it. It it sets the pace, and it really sets up this timeline that the whole game takes place over. You know, this campaign across these planets that these warlords are fighting over. And when you play units into future battles, play them on planets further down the line, I always like to think of that as playing them into the future, that you're setting up for later conflicts. Um, And that's always been a really strong thematic element moving forward with the design on the game. And I've really loved that element of it. As far as factions go, I've always had a soft spot for Chaos. And I think it's so hard to say, though, because every time I'm playing a faction, I'm always like, oh, I have so much fun with these guys. But I would say Chaos is probably one of my my particular favorites. And Zarather actually uh, is based off of my one of my Black Crusade characters. So there's a fun little tidbit. That's where he came <laughs> from. You know, people had wondered, and I've, I've looked it up myself trying to figure it out. So... Yep, he was he was one of my Black Crusade characters. He's a sorcerer's niche and is up to no good. Very cool. All right, that's a, that's a neat little tidbit. Um, so there's another warlord who, as far as I know, is non-existent in any other lore. Packmaster Kith. Does she have any relation to any other? So now Packmaster Kith was actually one uh, Eric Lang's idea. Okay. Um, he wanted to do uh, Chimera as the Dark Eldar token, and he wanted. You know, a, a you know a beast master of some sort, and Packmaster Kith was the first name we threw out, and GW loved it, and so we just stuck with it. Pretty cool. And the others are all characters that we know from the lore in various circumstances. Um, yep, we wanted to show that we we do a mix of both uh, new original content and stuff that's been established. Right. So I, I wanted I wanted to make sure we did that in the course. Okay, so is that? 
you probably can't say, but is that something we should expect to see down the road as well? You know, see a mix of new and existing characters. I, I would say it's a safe bet to see. You would see new and existing right. characters. That's kind of what I figure. I've just got a quick question for you, Brad. Go for it. Um, in regards, obviously, we, we have the tokens from the core box, and you, you said in the design they wanted to use, like, Chimera tokens. Is there any, or if you can answer this, is there any issue to scope for moving into other tokens? And if so, how will they be distributed if there is plans to have them, because obviously they're not going to fit quite so easily into the um, the distribution packs as they stand. Uh, I really wish I could say more about that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see new tokens in the future, but I can't really comment on how we would distribute them or anything on that. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely design space that's open, and it'd be definitely interesting to pursue. I mean, I'd be sad if I didn't see a Nurgling token, that's all I'll say, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love those little guys, too. <laughs> Everyone loves those little guys. <laughs> well, you're getting some Nurglings in uh, the second cycle in Kugas pack. Oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. But I just want the ability to spawn them everywhere, you see, and just <laughs> test everything, and that, that's why it made me feel warm inside, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> Okay, so in regards to the Warlord cycle, um, what can you tell us maybe about the development of that? Like, I know a focus of that was trying to focus on the Warlords, and we've seen so far four of the the packs, as well as the future Warlords. We've seen the uh, Space Marines and Chaos and uh, Orcs and Tau. Is there anything you can tell us about the development of that cycle with what we've already seen without giving anything away for future stuff that we've yet to see previews for? I can, I can talk a little bit about the Warlord okay. cycle. Um, you know, we started the Warlord cycle pretty soon after we finished up with the, the corset and just to, you know, hit the ground running. And one of the big things about Conquest is the Warlords do define how you play your deck, and what you want to do with your deck. So for the Warlord cycle, the Warlords were the first thing we designed, especially since we wanted to have focus on the Warlords. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... Because we, we were really just interested in Warlords, just at that early level of development. Uh, we felt that there is so much more they can do in the game, and we really just wanted to broaden that from where the core set is. Right. Yeah, I th that's what I liked about the Warlords. They, they give you, they give each deck a sense of direction without being too overbearing. And I think you did really well to balance that, showing them each signature squad. Um, just the, the Warlord pushed you in a direction without feeling you were being sort of shoved in that direction, which I, th I thought was quite nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what players do as uh, we uh, continue to grow the card pool. I, I expect to be surprised many times by like, huh, I didn't even think to do that with that Warlord. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, when you get a large player base and people testing, and it just takes one sort of person to get onto that, hey, this really does combo well. It's not designed to, but this combos well with that. And then that's when you get those left field decks that end up winning a, a, a large tournament because no one saw it coming. And yeah, you can always expect the player base to do that. 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what, uh, players think of some of the new warlords. I think getting a second option in each faction will give players a little more, uh, ability to build the deck they want. I know each warlord pushes a little bit in a direction, but each player really being able to bring their own identity to their deck and their own sense of this belongs to me and this is what I want to do with the game. Um, it's really important for me that to be to that point as fast as possible. How how hard was it to balance uh, the Warlords with the stuff from the core set? Because, I mean, I don't think you'll take this as too much of a slight. When you look at stuff like uh, the Netrunner, where stuff from the core box was still being really strong going um, going forward, and it was really pushing the pushing the boundaries to make anything sort of compete with core box stuff. Have you found that similarity in 40k? I mean, personally, I think that the core set is the, the best game they've done, that, that um, FFG have done, because everything's so well-balanced, where you didn't really have that with Netrunner, uh, or like Thrones or Cthulhu. So I think you've done a good job, but did you find it difficult to balance that correctly so what future expansions could could be done and, and still be... On, on the same sort of level. Yeah, I mean, balance is always a tough element, uh, especially in a card game when there's so many combinations. Uh, I think we've done a very, very, very good job with the Warlord cycle. I'm very proud of how balanced stuff is coming out. Um, there's a couple twists and turns in there for players, but one of the really nice things about the alignment wheel in particular is it makes things much easier to balance. You notice that there is some cards that are very close to one another design-wise, but they're on opposite ends of the alliance wheel, and so they would never be put into the same deck or be considered for the same deck. And that lets us stretch out our, our design, uh, you know, pie of colors, if you will, <laughs> and yeah. really, really let each faction have their own taste of each element. Yeah, so, I think between the, the actual wheel itself and the loyal which you put on cards, I think you've got a perfect mechanism there for keeping things as balanced as you want it without having to put a restricted list in place or erratas and stuff like that. I think you've done a really good job of it so far. Yeah. The big thing I would say, though, is you know the whole concept of there's always a bigger fish, and each play style on the board you can find somewhere else on the wheel which is like, well, if you play that st- play style, I will play this and I'm going to wreck you because, well, you don't, you have this weakness and you can't cover it. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest balancing mechanisms moving forward. Yeah. Alright, so I have a question just from what you guys were just discussing there. In regards to Warlords, Brad, I know you said you know you guys kind of want to get more out there to give the players more options for being able to develop each faction in, in their own way. Can we expect to see probably in the early cycles and you know deluxe expansions and stuff like that more Warlords, and then maybe it slows down, kind of like similar to what Netrunner did? Uh, you know, I can't comment on that too directly, okay. but I guess. It, it, that would be a logical idea. Again, I can't really say too much, though. Right. Okay. 
Um, in regards to the faction wheel um, and the alignments on them, you know, who is able to ally with who, I know in the beginning there was, when it first was shown, there was some debate in regards to certain choices. The, the choices that were made, was that done very early in development and did it kind of stick or did, have, did those change at all maybe during development, stuff like that? And, you know, the one that seems to irk people the most is the orcs and Astro Militarum Alliance. Which which I don't quite understand. Nor do I. <laughs> because cause, cause Astro, you know, the Astro Militarum and the orcs have worked together for a long time. You know, they might not always get along because no factions in 40k should always get along. But there's a pretty long-standing history of them working together. And I know it doesn't go with every edition of the game but it was it was plain as day they were you know one notch away from being battle brothers in the sixth edition which is the game with the game's based on so like to, to go back to your original part of your question <laughs> um the the faction wheel was set in stone from day one uh, that was one thing that we built the whole game around focusing on that aspect of it that you know, we knew we wanted to do Tyranids separate. We knew we wanted to do something special with Necrons. We knew where everyone was going to be on the wheel from day one. Okay, that's kind of cool that it was you know set in stone right from the start. Um, yeah. No, again, that's goes back to what I was saying earlier with Eric. That was that was what the game was inspired by and built up upon. Okay. Now, in regards to you know the Imperial Man, it has a lot of various sub-factions within it that, you know, have their own military forces, you know, in particular things like the Sisters of Battle and the Grey Knights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were to see those arise in the game, would, you probably can't say, but I'll try anyway, would they come in as their own faction and maybe change the alignment wheel, or you don't want to make any changes to the alignment wheel so they'd fall under one of the, the current existing groups for the Imperium? I can't answer that. I'm so sorry. Trying to word it in a way that you might be able to, but I'm just like, I don't know. We'll try. Let, let me just go on record of saying that I'm a huge fan of both Sisters in Battle and Grey okay. Knights. So let let that be on the record, but I can't say anything else. All right. I'm sorry. Nope, that's okay. Like I said, just got to try. I, I wouldn't be too sad if Sisters of Battle never appeared because I really dislike them. So I'll just say that as well. Nate, you're <laughs> off the podcast. I'm sorry. I have to let you go. <laughs> You're fired. But not a real faction. What? Second edition, Sisters of Battle, best codex ever. Not original. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, I've got a question, if yep, that's okay. Go right ahead. How did you go about um, looking at each unit and uh, giving them the, the statistics that they have and... Um, I mean, I, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a card game first and foremost. So, like you say, with the balance, you need to get the balance in there. But some, I mean, you, you heard grumblings on some of the forums saying, you know, this should be this, this should be this. Why is, I mean, like for me personally, I didn't really agree with the uh, Incubi Warriors only having a, a singular hit point since that was meant to be one of the toughest units that the Dark Eldar had. I appreciate that, obviously, they had balance that you had to keep there. But how did you go about sort of thinking of what stats were going to what unit. And, and that's a very good question. Um, one I expected. Uh, the big thing is, is it's a card game first, as you said, and the balance in that 
needs to establish what they are, regardless of what mechanically they are in the tabletop. Because, you know, I, I read the rules, I understand exactly what they do, and sometimes because of, you know, what what a faction does, like Dark Eldar and the Incubi Warrior, for example, you know, you notice that there's there's not too many very, very tough Dark Eldar units, and it really is supposed to reflect their, as a faction identity, their glass cannon nature, that they hit you very hard, but they don't, if you can manage to hit them back, that they, they kind of crumple under that. And while it would be nice to be able to be representative of everything from the tabletop, sometimes creating that faction identity is much, much more important for how players respond to it and get a general idea of it instead of having like, well, the Dark Eldar are very, very strong on in attack, but their hit points are weak except for the Incubi Warrior and like with a card game, each and every card matters so much. So sometimes mechanics just has to overcome the flavor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I fully appreciate that from the beginning. You know, when you're trying to balance that many cards initially, it is very difficult, and you are gonna you're gonna annoy someone somewhere because they think that the the dreadnought should be a ten ten rather than an eight eight, and then will you say, okay, then maybe we have to cost him as a ten ten, and he'll never be a playable card, and so on and so on. So I, I appreciate the balance in that you that you have to sort of tread. Yeah, we we just we really want to just put out the best game possible for everyone. And I know there's definitely some cards in there that are just dripping with flavor and you know, I wish we could make every single card like that, but there's realities of mechanics and making things be close to what makes sense but still mechanically sound. Yeah. All right, that all makes perfect sense and kind of Stop my question before I got a chance to ask. What's oh, no, no, that's not. fine. Like it just kind of rolled right into what I was about to ask about theme and flavor and stuff and how important it was. But I completely agree with everything that was said there. Yeah, no theme, theme and flavor is super important, and I want to make sure that every card at least has some sense of identity in the IP because it is such a beloved IP. I love it. I know you guys love it. I know all our players will come to love it if they don't love it already. Uh, because, you know, the artwork is fantastic. We've gotten some amazing artists come in and do some pieces. We try and make sure that the flavor text matches up and that pieces are, each piece, <laughs> each card is very representative of, as much as possible, the units in the uh, tabletop game. Okay. So I know for the most part this game seems to have a, had a very good reception now. It helps that it wasn't released in the same year as any other living card game soon. It's kind of the new kid on the block, so to speak. But how how are you feeling about the game's reception thus far? What you've seen and what you've you know probably read on the forums? Because I'm sure you know you you read our posts and stuff. Well, I know you've read one of mine. Um, but you know how how are you feeling about the game? You know, is it is it what you expected? Is it maybe exceeding your expectations? It's definitely exceeding my expectations. I am just blown away by how receptive and just amazing all the fans have been, especially at Gen Con. We just had so many people that were just so happy to play the game, and I was having a blast running demos for everyone uh, and running the World Eater tournament 
I'm really looking forward to Worlds this next weekend. I hope that doesn't date any date the podcast too much, but um, <laughs> that's okay. It's no secret. But uh, man, it, everyone's just been so wonderful. I'm super proud of the product and just really, really excited by all the fans. I think it was helped in part by, um, I don't want to use the word demise, that's a, an elegant word to use, but, but the whole that um, uh, Invasion's left, because I, I personally loved that game. Um, I also loved Invasion. It was a blast to design for. Uh, Hidden Kingdoms was a uh, labor of love for Lucas and I, and it, it was sad to see it go. But Well, I, I, mechanically, it's possibly the best game I've actually played. Because it was so easy to the resource curve and everything, it was possibly the best mechanic mechanically wise the game I've ever played. So yeah, great, you know, credit where it's due. Um, but because of that whole left and a lot of players who played Invasions were, were worth, you know, were thinking, well, I'm going to give 40k a go because of how good that game was. And while not um, mechanically similar, was still mechanically sound. So I think you did yourself a lot of favours in making sure that the game um, was as, as fluid as it is, because you, you, you get you get you get the little um, you had debate there and then followed up with the product. So I, th- I think you did yourself a lot of favours there. Thank you. Sorry, I I, I just like to let everyone know that I'm not just uh, I'm only putting credit where it's due. That's all it is. So. <laughs> Thank you. I again, I appreciate it. Uh, we worked really hard on it, uh, and I'm just really, really overwhelmed by the response. Okay. Now, with regards to Worlds, you know, it's coming up in four days, three days now. I think it starts mm-hmm. on. Well, it starts officially on Thursday, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, with regards to Worlds, what what's your role during Worlds? Like, are you going to be like the head judge for the game, or are you just kind of going to be, you know? Walking the floor to see what everyone's doing and getting people's feedback, or you know, what what will you do during Worlds? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. So I will I will be the head judge for all the 40k tournaments, um, and if you're watching on Twitch or whatever, you'll probably see me uh, by the feature table. Um, so I'll be running the feature table a lot, um, and then walking the halls, um, just judging the events. Okay. So feel free, free, feel free to say hi. <laughs> oh, I'll be watching as much as I can. Uh, sadly, I work on Thursday and Friday, so I have to see if I can make Twitch work on my work computer and you know, not have my boss notice, who hopefully doesn't listen to this podcast because he doesn't know exists. <laughs> just in case. Um, so with regards to World like it's going to be the first real test of the tournament rules. Like with the tournament rules that we have, I know it's only been a couple weeks now that we've had them and everything like that. Are you, how how are you comfortable are you with the tournament rules? Or are you you kind of interested to see how they're going to work? You know, are they going to get broken? Or you know, how much work went into designing the tournament rules? I guess. So Nate and I spent a lot of time just thinking about how we wanted players to think about the tournament rules while they were playing, and we both agreed that we don't want players to really have to think at all about the tournament rules and be focused more on you know how the game is going, and what puts me ahead of my opponent. And so we've kind of designed the tournament rules to move in that direction. Um, I've done some play tests at the Game Center running a couple tournaments. Uh, 
since the game's come out, uh, just as a, a test of the tournament rules. I'm still interested to see exactly how it they turn out at Worlds with a huge event like that, but I'm I'm pretty confident they're going to hold up. Okay, yeah, I I definitely like the tournament rules in that they're they're relatively simple. I don't mean to say that they're simplistic, but you know, it's just you don't have to think a lot. Like you said, it's just kind of win the game. It's not like yep. Simple is best for for tournament yeah. rules. You know, you should focus on winning the game, and you shouldn't worry about like, oh well, here's how I get this tiebreaker to ensure that I get in to 16th place instead of 17th place, so I make the cut. Right. That was a problem I found with the early Star Wars rules. Was like everyone, even myself, I found we were you were focused a lot on, okay, I want to win, but if I don't, how do I break the tie? And, you know, they've gotten rid of that since, which is good, but I like here that we don't have to worry about that at all. You know, it's one game, win the game. It's it's that simple. Yep, and again, you you should be focused on the game, not intricacies of the tournament rules. Right. Now, I have a question just to go back a little bit, and this might be another sure. one of my many questions that you can't tell me about, but <laughs> with regards to Games Workshop, I know Fantasy Flight Games, you guys have a fairly solid working relationship with them, because, you know, you guys have had the license for quite a few years now with various role-playing games for Warhammer and 40K and you know multiple board games and stuff. What like what is your guys's like relationship with them in regards to like conquest and approval? Like how much room do you guys have to go? Do you have to like does everything go back to Games Workshop and they say yay or nay or do you guys have a lot of freedom? Like Warhammer 40,000 is a fairly large setting and I know even in the role-playing games they've added a lot of stuff to the lore that wasn't necessarily there before, but there's just, there's room for it. Like even here in Conquest, we've got the Traxix sector of the Ultima Segmentum. Like we've never heard of it before, but it still fits perfectly fine because like I said, it's such a big setting that there's room to add stuff. But is that something that you guys have to work with them a lot on or do you guys kind of have like more free reign to just design stuff as long as you don't go too out of control? You know, it, it it's a definitely interesting qu- uh, question. We we have a very good working relationship with Games Workshop. Uh, I mean, I talk to Graham, the licensing director over there, all the time. Uh, we have weekly phone calls with them, you know, that whole sort of thing. And everything that we do go, does go through approvals through them. So they've seen everything that we've done. Um, all the artwork, all the finished cards, the finished product, they see it, they approve it. Um, but we we do have some free license, especially with, like, our own unique characters, um, since we are in our own sector of the galaxy, that we we have some free reign, um, but I can't go in too much detail. Right, of course I understand. You know, intricacies of a license is you know more legal stuff. Um, <laughs> so with the Traxxas sector, is this like where we'll probably find ourselves staying for quite a while? Like, like what I'm wondering is like the plants we got is that meant to be like one solar system within the Traxxas sector, and you know maybe someday down the road, you know we'll get like they do with Call of Cthulhu, we'll get a new planet deck, and you know we'll be in a new solar system, but still in the same sector. Or is they more meant to be multiple systems that make up this sector? I I can't comment too much about like any future right. releases on new planets and whatnot, but. Traxxas Sector is very big, and uh, the planets that are featured in the game are not the only planets in the sector, in the lore, not the game. 
Um, so that's about all I can say on that. Okay. So they're not meant to be just one solar system. Then what we have, like Aatrox Prime, isn't necessarily Planet Three to Yavarn at Planet Ten of the solar system. They're they're meant to be a bit bigger. Yes, and you can notice through some of the naming conventions on the planet. Uh, for example, Yavarn is obviously a Tau planet, where Elowith is like an Eldar, Eldar uh, Exodite world. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I definitely thought Elowith was uh, Eldar. I never, I never considered Yavarn as being Tau, though. Yeah, if you if you go back and look at those uh, buildings that are on Yavarn, you can see that they are very Tau-inspired. Very cool. Another interesting little tidbit. All right, uh, Nate, you got another question? Um, yeah, uh, with Worlds, obviously, next weekend, um, <laughs> here's a question you can't really give no comment to. I actually want an answer from this one. What are your predictions to win it? Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> too many questions. I was tempted to ask him that too, but I was like, I don't know if I want to ask him that because it might steer people in that direction. Maybe. Well, I mean, the, the podcast, we're not sure when it's going to go out, so I don't think it'll steer people too much, and people are going to be playtesting now. So, you know, I just want a prediction. You know, I've seen a lot of strong decks out there. I've seen that very strong Space Marine Tau build that's going around. Uh, I've seen that very strong Eldar, Dark Eldar. I personally have a really nasty Chaos Dark Eldar deck. Um, there's, I've seen a very, very nice Astro Militarum Space Marines deck floating around. Um, yeah, we, we, we covered one last week uh, that had won a small uh, tournament here in, um, here in the UK. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think that puts him in too much of a, of a corner, just because it is so well-balanced, and I think it'll more probably come down to the player rather than the, the faction at the minute, because... Yeah, the, the nice thing is, is while factions have definitely matchups that are better for them, there is a lot of play skill that's involved. For yeah. example, uh, Jeremy Zwern, who's a local playtester, um, you guys might have heard of him once or twice. Yeah, we actually interviewed him. Yeah, I okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kicks my butt no matter what he's playing. <laughs> so I can't really say what I, I think will win Worlds. Um, I think that the deck that win, will win Worlds will probably have um, Rogue Traders or Void Pirates in it, though. No. <laughs> oh, what a cop. Well, he sort of answered you, though. <laughs> okay. Well played, I'll, I'll Well that. played. <laughs> I think there's some really good decks out there, and uh, I think it'll be a surprise regardless of when of who wins. Uh, you know, just for me, just because it all really comes down to what matchups end up and how well the players know their decks. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of a lot of these tournaments. I think if uh, a couple of players have shown that um, no matter what card game it is, you, you can see. Uh, the, the the players that put the time in and practice and who are generally good at card games tend to shine through. Um, but it's also down to picking the correct matter because you could turn up with a deck that's not going to be expected, that's going to be beating the, a majority of the field, I think. So if you expect everyone to turn up with Space Marines and you be, bring the deck that beats Space Marines, 
you don't throw win, I suppose. So. Yeah, no, that's that's just the power of the meta, and I think this game this game has the potential to swing that way if people are too uh, linear in their thinking. Because uh, if everyone brings uh, Eldar, Dark Eldar, well, there's definitely a deck out there that consistently beats Eldar, Dark Eldar. Yeah. And if if you're the guy that brings that deck, well, then awesome, sounds great for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, do you think that where you guys started the game off with seven and eventually nine factions it might help create a a meta where there's not going to necessarily be one faction that dominates all the others like we've seen in some of the other lcgs i think that's a very strong possibility that there's always going to be something else i can pick i can be like oh everyone's playing orcs this week and well i'm gonna pick eldar because eldar beat orcs again not for not for real but i'm just hypothetically (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, thought... there's, just, there's going to be a lot of factions a lot of options for players and you know you're going to be getting new cards all the time and I think this really has the opportunity to live up to that whole idea of an LCG a game that's living always changing and will cycle sometimes a deck might be a little better and a little more played but I definitely think that there's going to be a counter to it there'll be something I can play because I'm like, oh, I don't want to face that Aster Militarum deck and how crazy it is, Well, I'm going to play Tau, and that'll make sure that I have a good matchup against it. Yeah, I, I think with how the alignment wheel works and as, as the card pool expands, whereas we're saying there's, there's seven factions that are going up to nine, I think each faction actually doubles as a faction itself because you can always ally that other way that gives your deck a different dimension from what it did the first time. So from Eldar to, to um, Dark Eldar and Eldar to Tau, the, the two decks play differently, being um, uh, influenced by the, their, uh, the other their other ally, basically. So I think that really does keep the meta changing constantly. And, and on that, what I find very interesting with the game is just how different a, say, Dark Eldar Eldar deck plays to an Eldar Dark Eldar deck. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I know when, when I've been testing, I'm currently working on the, the, the Chaos Dark Eldar, and I tried to go from to the, from Dark Eldar to Chaos, mm-hmm. and I found, I mean, I personally prefer the Chaos to Dark Eldar, but seeing how differently, how dramatically the deck changes, it's you still got some of the elements there, but it's a completely whole different creature. No, it, it's really interesting how you, you borrow a little bit of the strength of the faction next to you, and, but it doesn't completely define your deck, but it gives that flavoring, that spice, if you will, yeah. that really makes your deck different. Yeah, one thing I like, too, just to kind of tag on what you guys are saying, is that it's not even just necessarily which ally you take. You could also choose to just go mono and stay within faction. And that makes a different mm-hmm. deck too. So you know, you could pick Eldar, let's say, and play pure Eldar, Eldar Dark Eldar, Eldar Tau, and have three decks that play differently from each other. I mean, that's just out of the core set. We don't even have any expansion packs yet. Yep. No, definitely. There's there's 21 different combinations out of the core set if you count them all. So yeah. that's that's just crazy. It it boggles my mind, even though I've been working on this game for years now. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I loved right from the start was that there were so many combinations right away. Um, 
In regards to, you know, the living card game comment you made, I've noticed with this game that it seems like we're going to be getting the first war pack a lot sooner than we've seen in previous LCGs where it was a, a few months of, you know, a strictly core set meta. Is that something you can comment on, Brad, on, you know, that we're getting them so much quicker and maybe there's a reason for that or you can't say? Uh, well, we've worked really hard and we've gotten a lot of experience from previous LCG releases and we started development on the Warlord cycle, especially early, to make sure that we could get that content flow started much faster because players want that cards that soon. They, you know, play the crap out of their core set and they want to get going. So we worked really hard to make sure that players can get into it and get more content very soon. Very cool. Yeah, I I know I'm a little bored of just the core set, but I've also been playing it longer than some. Not quite as long as you, of course. <laughs> if anyone has, other than maybe Eric. Yeah, I, I, I think with... Um... I think they picked up on what they had with Netrunner, where we had to wait quite a while, and also with Star Wars, and didn't want to make the same. Or I didn't want to say yeah, the, the same mistake, but listen to the, the the consumers, us, and did something about it, which is also really good to see. Yeah, we just want we just want players to be able to play a game that they love and bring more content to it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely appreciated from a player side, anyway. We're we're really happy that we're going to be seeing Hollow Black Main soon. I don't I don't know exactly when, but soon. That's, soon is a good enough description for me. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say we're going to see it at Worlds for sure, but I probably be asking too much. Can't, can't comment on that. <laughs> I don't I don't think we're going to trip him up with his um with our fanciful. I'm going to keep trying. I figure eventually he's going to slip. <laughs> Just keep on trying. All right. There's no squats. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's it. No. I quit. I'm selling my collection. I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I gotta go. <laughs> I didn't ask that just so my dreams weren't dashed completely. I thought I can just live and dream and not ask it. That's that's me done. And sisters of battle might be coming in. <laughs> God, give me space dwarfs over those. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for space wolves. As am I. No, 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 space dwarfs. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, I hear. I hear space wolves. What? Space dwarfs. What's a dwarf? Although I do think they came back in a form. Nate, I recall reading something about the demigorge or something like that. There's some sort of a race that has something to do with the tau that are supposed to be like the new squats. So you might want to look into that. Maybe that. Maybe that'll make oh, you feel yeah, better. Yeah, I don't remember. Don't remember where in the fluff they were mentioned. They live on starships and they produce high technology, if I recall. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember the details either. I think I recall reading about them that they're kind of a nod to the squats because I guess I've read fluff and you know interviews and stuff. Games Workshop was never happy with the squats because they just kind of felt like, well, we just took all the fantasy races and threw them into sci-fi and the squats didn't work, so that's why they kind of died and well were made to not exist anymore. Well. <laughs> Last I heard, they got eaten by Tyranids. So. Yeah, that seems to be the common story that I think Rick Priestley put in one of the interviews. Or something. He's just like, look, they just got all eaten by the Tyranids. There, stop asking me. Well, if, if you think about it then, then the Tyranids incorporated their the DNA that they liked. So if you think about it, Tyranids are squats. There you go, Nate. So That's it, I'm done. Tyranids is for me then. <laughs> and then when someone asks me, they can ask me, what are you playing? I can say, I'm playing squats. And I'm just like, Tyranid, down. 
<laughs> I'll fly right. <laughs> Space bug dwarves. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think. Is there any questions about from Charles that we've um, not asked yet? And just, I've um, now asked everything from our list. I've yet to ask one that's going to be my own personal question, but I know the answer is going to be I can't tell you. But I want to know when I'm going to get my corn warlord. Soon, uh, TM. <laughs> You're just going to have to wait and see. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I too, am a fan of uh, Skulls for the Skull Throne. Um, Excellent. <laughs> I'm happy now. As, as, as you can probably tell from uh, my uh, card from uh, the Hidden Kingdoms box, Stocking Skulls, I wanted to make sure that we got the most skulls into a card art piece that we possibly could. Awesome. I'm now looking at that so, card somewhere because I don't know where to find Hidden Kingdom spoilers. <laughs> I've got a quick question, actually, while I'm thinking on. Sure. Um, given all the factions that we have, some factions have more uh, depth than others with um, variety. So if you, if you look at how many... Uh, Chaos Space Marine chapters and Space Marine chapters there are. Um, Aldai have all the Aspect Warriors and so on. Uh, but I always feel stuff like the Dark Killer, because they're quite new, don't have that much room to move in. Is, has that been a problem from the design side for designing new cards, or did you find that were quite... It gave you that... You had that space to move into being invented from yourselves. I guess it, I guess it kind of tags onto the question we asked earlier, you see. Uh, you know, some, some factions are a little more trait-rich, or at least, like, traits we can use. Uh, a lot of the Dark Eldar Covens are way too long in order to put on the trait field. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, one thing that uh, befalls, uh, what's his name, uh, Zavi's split tongue in the core set. I was really sad we couldn't fit the trait Emperor's Children on there, because... It's just way too long to get on there with all the traits, and it was just a, it was a two batter that we couldn't right. fit it on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, I, I think we've done a lot of back end work to make sure that each faction has relevant traits that we can key off of and stuff that we can build forward with. Uh, we built a lot of rules into the game um, about how we distribute traits to characters. So that's all very, very thought out and deliberate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, um, I suppose it comes down into the sort of the costing of the card as well. So it does have some influence on what it's synergistic with as well. So yeah. Okay. I, I just did. Well, I did wonder. That's all it was. So. No. Again, you know, we've. I I, I don't want to seem boastful, but we've put so much thought into this game. We've everything you look at on the card. We've thought about how it impacts a player. No, no, no. Boast away, credit. You know, <laughs> it's a good game, so don't don't be don't be bashful now. So <laughs> don't, don't worry when you make a bad decision. We'll be jumping on you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't include squats, we'll be angry. Well, well, well that's a relief. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Now he'll never come on the show ever again because he'll think we're going to yell at him. <laughs> How did you do that experience? Why? 55-minute interview, just yelling. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Not yet, but you will be. Nerd rage for the nerd god. <laughs> Alright, so I know you've said a couple times that you guys have spent a lot of time working on this game. Is there any way you can tell us exactly how long that's been? Like, you know, maybe a ballpark, you know, what year this game started out being designed? <sighs> None of those can't say. Um, I almost can't remember. It seems like it's been so long. Uh... I, it's been over a year that we've been working on it, so it's been my my waking nightmare in you know making sure that we can get it to players as soon as possible. Um, just like I think about this game all the time. <laughs> okay, cool. So it's been a, a while then that it's been been worked on. So you know, long before anyone else ever heard of it. Yeah, no, we've we've been working so hard to get it to players as fast as we could. Okay. Now, it's probably another one else you can't say. Did the I don't know what word to use either. The retirement of Warhammer Invasion tie into Conquest at all? Like, did one affect the other, or were they just kind of having stance that it just occurred and then we got Conquest? It it just sort of happened okay. that way. You know, we. We had started development on Conquest before we had made any sort of decision like that. I can't comment too much more, but no. We we wouldn't cancel a game that was doing perfectly well. Okay. Now, I know next year we've got store championships coming out, and you know, we've kind of seen the prizes and stuff for that. So and we're mm-hmm. also going to be getting, I assume, regionals and nationals. So Conquest is going to fall within the same as all the other living card games. Like, there's, no, there's nothing going to be any different at all. It was just, um, not that I can okay. say. Um, that's more of a organized play right, question than design. I've certainly been uh, been poked for a lot of uh, content for organized play, but I can't really speak as to what. Okay. Because <laughs> I think one thing we could do with this game, and I know there's a fan-made version of this starting out on the forums is do like a campaign, like a, a planetary conquest type of campaign. And somehow that might be able to roll into organized play. But like you said, that's not really your department. Yeah, again, the best thing to do is uh, if you'd like to see something like that, email organized yep. play. They're always looking for ideas. And if uh, players get excited about something, that's the sort of stuff we're going to gravitate right. toward. Yeah, because I know myself and you know you too, Nate, we're both big fans of Legend of the Five Rings, uh, both yeah. recovering, I guess, or I don't know if you still play or not, Nate. Um, but <laughs> one thing about that game that I love, that I would love to see in a fantasy flight game, whether it be Conquest or you know one of the others or you know something new, if we ever see a new LCG, is like your faction matters very much in Legend of the Fire Ring, so I kind of like to see that same idea, and I could see Conquest being something like that, because a lot of people have very strong feelings towards their faction within the 40k setting. You know, maybe not so much some of the, the card players who are new to 40k, but like myself, Nate, and you know, you Brad, and you know, anyone else who's like a, a 40k junkie like us, you know, we all tend to have factions that are our factions that we love so much. You know, I think that'd be a really exciting idea. And again, it's something that's that's all in organized plays, you know, a playground, if you will. Um, so if players are asking for it, um, I would I would 
highly anticipate them reacting positively to that. So awesome. It's, a, it's, it's up to you. I'm going to start sending some emails. <laughs> I'll just use all my email accounts so I think it's a different person every time. To quote Captain Planet, the power oh, is God. yours. For some reason, I was actually <laughs> thinking sure of that get... cartoon earlier today. I'm sure we could get some sort of petition going to uh, try and get some sort of organizing going on. So, be good. Be good. I, I know they are listening a lot. I want to say I don't want to say a lot more, but they are definitely listening now um, to what the, the 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 players actually want, which is a good thing. So. That's true. I definitely know Brad's listening because little inside tidbit <laughs> here, which hopefully Brad doesn't get mad at me for giving away. Um, I put a post on CardGameDB about I really hope Corn's next, or I'm going to drive down to FFG headquarters and express my displeasure in person. And Brad, you then emailed me personally and said, "So, threaten me on the forums, huh? I guess Slanish will be next." He he he. <laughs> so I know you guys are listening, and I really hope that was an idle threat. Please. No, no I want Slanish next no. anyway. So. So does Charles. You keep telling me. Oh, I hate Slanish <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, it just creeps me out. Guys, I'll just have to wait and see. Um. So I know we've kind of asked these question, this question already about you know how did how far away was conquest being done? How far ahead in development are you? Are you like two cycles ahead, a uh, deluxe ahead, or you know is, can you even tell us what you're working on now? Like, do you want to say you know we're working on Tyranids right now? They're coming out, blah blah blah, but. You know, how far ahead do you guys tend to design stuff to give yourselves breathing room and time for development and all that stuff? I, I can't really comment Curses. on that, unfortunately. <laughs> Trying so hard. I know, I know. <laughs> Just, you know, keep your eye on the website. Yep. Warlord Cycle previews are still going up, and uh, Warlord Cycle is going to be super exciting. Yeah, we actually got previews from uh, Evident Marketing for... Cars from the Howl of Blackmean for the Astro Militarum that we're going to be putting up on our Facebook page soon. So previews right. have definitely started for that. I'm trying to remember what cards I put in that pack. Uh... <laughs> no comment. We'll, we'll, we'll try nope. to the, uh, the other stuff. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, when we have uh, stuff to announce, we'll announce it. One thing. I want to ask about, and this kind of goes back to a little our conversation a little bit ago, was I've noticed with Android Netrunner and the identities that those have a similar kind of thing to the Warlords we saw in, in Conquest as well. The Warlords signature squads is kind of reminiscent of the objective sets from Star Wars. I know Star Wars was also an Eric Lang design, but Netrunner itself was a Richard Garfield design from way back when is there any kind of relationship between all that like did you guys just kind of say you know these identities really worked really well in defining stuff in Netrunner let's do something like that in Conquest or was the Warlords kind of already picked and it just happens to be similar I think a lot of the inspiration for Warlords was from the tabletop game and that you pick an HQ unit and he is a character, and he's very identifiable, and gets lots of special cool powers. And again, don't quote me because I'm, you know, talking about Eric Lang's thought process at this point. Uh, 
So I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of inspiration for that went, and where the Warlord pack goes along with the idea of, you know, units and, like, groups of miniatures in the miniatures game, and that your HQ would have, like, his own command squad. And I know that they seem a lot very similar to some other concepts that we've done, but I think a lot of it is rooted in the tabletop game. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I figured, but I thought maybe there was a, a reason for the similarity. Okay, cool. All right, Nate, I'm all out of questions. Do you have any questions you want to ask? <clears throat> um, uh, in regards to the card art, how much import did you have on what pieces? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you got it directly from the War uh, the Games Workshop uh, library. Or if you had anything specially commissioned for this, how did you go about picking the art for uh, the cards? So we have we have an art director or two that was working on the product, um, but the majority of the card art that we used in the core set is all new, brand spanking new art that we commissioned for this game. Some of it you might recognize. Um, we picked up Sabretooth Games many many years ago now, um, yeah. so stuff that was used in their game. Um, and then some of them are straight out of the codexes um, from GW. They've provided us their artwork to use in the game. Uh, but a majority of them are brand new pieces. Uh, the designers at FFG write all the art descriptions for the pieces that you see before you. Um, so I had a lot of input into what exactly went on the cards and what was illustrated for them. Uh but then exactly how the artist drew it and the direction, that's all credit to the art department. They did a phenomenal job. I think we've seen some of the best pieces for 40K ever in this. I'm really, really just blown away by the artwork. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's one of the... For me, it's, uh, that can be a deal-breaker for a card game. Um, if, if, if I'm not happy with that art of, of cards, I've got to sit and stare at while I might play a game for an hour. I'm not going to be happy with the game. <clears throat> so... Uh, the, each piece that you pick for each card is is fitting, and it feels like the card is what is named on the title. Like, like right now, I'm looking at um, the Black Legion Helldrake or the Colosseum, oh, yeah. and uh, that that gives me. If I knew nothing about the game, that would give me an instant rack. That that I get that sort of sense of feel of what it's meant to be, and and so on. So I think they've, they've done a really good job on the art. So I can't I can't really. Uh, the art, I can't give enough um, credit to either. So I think they've done a really good job. Yeah, no, the Black Legion Helldrake especially is uh, that was actually commissioned for one of our RPG games. Um, I f- believe Only War, uh, and Eric Lang had wanted to put a really big giant unit into uh, Chaos to be their, like, this is the cream of the crop unit, and it ended up being the Black Legion Helldrake. And I'm like, well, what about a Helldrake? And Eric at the time, you know, hadn't been keeping up with 40K. He's an old fan of the of the, the IP, but he hadn't been up to date, and, you know, Helldrakes are still relatively new within the last couple of years. Uh, so I showed him the picture that we had of it, and he's, his eyes lit up, and he's like, oh, that's got to be in. <laughs> Yeah, you get that. You get that a lot. I mean, on a lot of the cards, you can you can see that uh, when a unit's meant to feel big and brutey, and you can see on the card art that they are. And when when something's meant to be small and like the um, the Astro Militarium, the uh, 
the rattling sniper, you can tell that it is just like a one-one little dude who's sort of scuffling about in the undergrowth, and he's not, you know, you get that sense from the car, and I think that helps as well. Just the get that sense of immersion into the game as well. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we've done a pretty good job with the art overall. Like, I'm I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I, I've been looking at the planet art since you, Nate, uh, Brad mentioned the thing about Yavar and how that's you know tile buildings on them, and man, the the, the art on the planets now that I'm really giving them a, a close look because you know when you're playing you don't really tend to look at it too long. Man, you can see so much going on and it really gets you into the the feel of it. Like I just noticed on a radio that the Adeptus Mechanicus symbol is actually on the factory in the background. Yep, that is so oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, we've 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 got some surprises in store with those planets. There's some uh, there's some cool stuff if you take a take a deeper look at them. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's going on on Taurus right now. It, it looks like some nomads or something wandering around in ash waste. So I'm gonna see if I can figure that one out. In Carnath, I can't figure that out at all. <laughs> and I think that's I, part I, of the point. <laughs> my favorite piece, I think, is the is it Elo? I can never pronounce it right. Eloith. Eloith. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I really like the. It looks really serene, but then when you actually look closer, you can see it's a dead planet. Sort of that ghostly feeling going off. I really like. I really like that artwork myself. I'd like to get something like that as a playmat because I think that I really do like the artwork on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I really like Osus Four because it's got like these tribal. I don't know, they're humans or alien warriors like jumping at that big beast with the lava going on in the background. Yeah, Osus Osus Four is my favorite planet. Yeah, that one's really cool. Um, I do have a question, which might be another one of those you can't answer, but I know we've not seen anything about the prizes for Worlds this year for any of the LCGs, and I know in previous years that's always been something that's kind of been shown beforehand. Is there anything you can tell us about the prizes for Worlds that people should be expecting in a few days, or do you even know? Uh, I don't even know, man. (laughs) Uh Organized play has been just going insane, getting ready for uh, Worlds. It's our biggest ever. It's going to be a super amazing, just off-the-wall tournament. I'm so excited. It's going to just be crazy. Awesome. I'm looking forward to watching the coverage again. It's going to be better than ever this year. I do really like that you guys... When you moved to the FFG Center back in, I think it was 2012, I remember watching it on my computer, and I, I loved that because I, I felt like I, even though I wasn't there, I could at least interact, and I was like, you know, typing in the chat and talking to people, going back and forth. Cause, you know, I remember watching the Star Wars demo and the Netrunner tournament that Jeremy ended up winning, and I was like, yeah, go Jeremy. I was rooting for him, everything. It was really cool. So I, I do really like that, and I really appreciate you guys doing that. Yeah, no, we've we've had a blast doing it, and I think this is going to be our best year. We have more coverage, more cool stuff, more cool surprises for you guys. Um, it's going to be the best year to watch Worlds from home yet. <laughs> I've just got a question on that, actually, thinking about from watching it last year. Because last year they had to actually share the stream between the games. Mm-hmm. Is there any plans this year to have multiple streams, or at least two so I appreciate you've got to try and share the stream so everyone can get to see everything. But there were, I mean, I was watching for Thrones and we felt we missed a game <clears throat> that we really wanted to watch and they were covering the X-Wing. And I appreciate that yeah, everyone's got to have their turn, but we really wanted to watch that game. And it was like, well, that, that's scheduled in for the X-Wing. And 
you know, take it on the chin and that was it. So I'm just wondering if there's any plans for multiple um, multiple streams. Uh, I don't know for certain on that. I wish I could give you an answer. Um, that's all in the media department. So. <laughs> no, okay, okay. I'm just a lowly game designer, you know. <laughs> lowly game designer. Yeah, you have the job that everyone listening to this podcast wants to have. <laughs> Alright, I'm good for questions. Nate, do you have any last minute questions? Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this for Charles. Who do you think out of the Warlords would win in a dance-off? In a dance-off? Um, yeah. <sighs> Kato's probably got some sick moves. Um, he is royalty, so he probably had some training. <laughs> I don't think ballroom dancing is going to cut it, though. Do you know? Uh... Yeah, that's 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 true. Um, Packmaster. I was going to say Packmaster Eldar. You know, she's got to have some has, wicked moves. Has some agility going for her. See, um, I, I, my my personal thing, I, I was going for Nasdrek because he's got a weird fusion of breakdance and salsa, and I just I think nothing's going to stand up to that. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good bet. <laughs> but Strachan's got that whole like mechanical going for him, so he could do the oh, robot. Yeah. He could do the robot very well. So, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go. Gonna have to go with Strachan. That robot's gonna impress me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Gonna say, I wasn't going to let you off because you're backed out of the who was going to win Worlds one, so I wasn't going to let you off on the hook on this one. I, I fell out to the viewer, uh, to the listeners. So. Yep, definitely <laughs> going to be striking. <laughs> Good old Iron Hand. All right, well, Brad, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your weekend to come on the show. Um, is there anything you want to talk about or maybe you know tell the listeners that we haven't already covered during the show? No, I just I'd like to say how thankful I am to all of them for uh, picking up the game, giving it a try, and showing their friends and just loving it. I'm just so appreciative of all the fans and all the positive res- response we've had on the game. Awesome. Well, like I said, thank you very much for taking that time out of your day. Oh, uh, you guys have a great weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll see some of the listeners out there on at Worlds. Definitely. And we'd love to have you back again, so you know, maybe come like the end of the Warlord cycle or something when you can talk a bit more about it. Maybe we can you know talk about that some more. Sure, love awesome. to come back. Great.